Well, it's great to celebrate with the Lawans. It's great to see people taking a step of faith and baptism. And so uh, if you don't know Doug and Sarah, uh, hopefully maybe you can get to know them uh, soon and hear more about their story and how they're growing in their faith. As, and, and in addition to that, we just want to remind you that if there's, uh, if, if, as you see people taking that step of faith in baptism, if, if that's something that might, uh, you might have interest in, you might have questions about, we certainly would love to be able to, to talk to you about that. And so you can contact our, our community life director, Bobby Lee Barr. Uh, her email address is uh, there on your screens. And so make sure that you reach out to Bobby Lee if you have any questions about that, about walking uh, in, in that way, okay? Well, good morning to all of you who are uh, here in person. We're glad that you're, you've chosen to be here with us. And to all of you who are online, uh, good morning to you as well. We're so glad that you, too, have joined us. We've been in the last several weeks uh, in our December series, our Christmas series called God in Our Midst. And if you remember, I, I said at the beginning of the series, as I was kind of introducing it a few weeks ago and then got started in it, uh, we could have called it God in Our Mess, Right? And uh, again, we're feeling that uh, maybe a little bit more pronounced, uh, more acutely uh, this particular year. But the reality is, is that since humanity <laughs> was created, uh, the world has been messy. That's, that, when sin entered the world, the world became messy and it remains messy. And it's going to be messy. And, then we're, and we experience that every day. But God didn't shy away from it. He didn't ignore it. Uh, he didn't retract back from it, but instead... We're saying and suggesting to you that in the incarnation, in the gift of Jesus, God stepped right into our midst. So we've been taking a look at some of those uh, traditional sort of Advent themes uh, related to, to how, how God is in our midst and what he brings. And in the first week we talked about hope, right? That we, we do have hope in the midst of, of things when, when, when it looks hopeless, that we do have hope because God is because God is here, because God is love, because God is Savior, and because God is King. He is King now, and He is our coming King. And so we do have hope. You remember uh, the verse that I shared with you uh, a couple of times when the psalmist said to himself, why, why am I so depressed? Why am, why am I so, like, torn up inside? And then he, he self-talks again and says, put your hope in God. He has to remind himself that that's where the source of his hope is when he's going through these difficult times. And so we are a people of hope. We also last week took a look at love. And love, we understand, is at the core of God's being. And showing it, showing love, is what he delights in doing. And that's the whole story, again, of the gift of Jesus, is that it is a gift of love. And it's, love is, is how and, and why that we're his. And love, ultimately, is how we live. So we've talked about hope, we've talked about love. This morning, we're going to talk about joy. Joy is such an, an essential and important part of the Christmas story. Uh, the angel was visiting the shepherds on the night when Jesus was born, and he had a message for them. He said that he, had, he brought them a message because they were, they were incredibly afraid when, they, when, the, when the angel appeared to them. He, he, he told them to not be afraid, but instead that he was bringing them a message of great joy for all the world. Because as he would go on to say in, in verse 11, that in that day on the, in the town of David, a Savior had been born to them, and he was Messiah, Christ, the Lord. 
So joy is, is such an essential and important aspect of the Christmas story. And yet sometimes our experience in life is not joy, right? Is not joyful. And you might not have walked in the, in the room today, or you, not, you might not be sitting in your home today feeling very joyful. You might instead be, have feelings of sorrow or disappointment or sadness. You might be grieving some sort of loss. You might be battling anxiety. You might be incredibly frustrated. There might be a high level of discontentment in your heart, or you're maybe disillusioned with, with people because of what you've experienced in your interactions around all that we've been through in this past year. There might instead of joy be this, this, this kind of like overarching feeling of, of unhappiness, that you're, that you're burdened, that you're distressed. Some of you might be even feeling despondent about everything. And in, in, in the isolation that, that we've had to experience, you might have this almost like a desolate sort of, of, of cloud hanging over you. And so as you hear me say that that angel had, had news of, of, of great joy that he was bringing to the shepherds. And as we, as we focus on joy today, that might be the last thing that is on your mind about how you're feeling. And so what do we do with that? What do we do? Do we, do we deny that we have these feelings? I, I believe that God created us in his image, and we know that God himself displays feelings in scripture, right? God, God has emotions, and we have emotions, we don't need to apologize for those things, but oftentimes with our emotions and with our feelings, we have to not let them be the end game, not let them have the last word in our lives. And so we don't say, well, there's no feelings of disillusionment, there's no feelings of sadness, but instead we, we try to come to grips with it, and we at the same time are confronted with this thing that we, we talk about with joy, and maybe one of the first understandings we have to have about joy is I would suggest to you that joy is not the same exact thing as happiness. What makes you happy? You're going to be happy probably in a couple of hours, maybe an hour and a half, whatever it is, when your stomach's full because you went to lunch. You're going to be happy. Or you might be unhappy because it wasn't what you had chosen, right? Or maybe you're unhappy because you maybe can't go out to eat right now. Or maybe you're happy because your favorite meal is planned. Maybe you're happy because your team won yesterday. Maybe you're happy because you're going to be able to see some family soon. Whatever the case might be. Circumstances create happiness and unhappiness. Anybody have times of happiness this week? Happy about something, anything, one thing. Okay, a couple of people, great. Anybody have some sad feelings, unhappiness because of, okay, great. Yes, that happens. Happiness and unhappiness is circumstantial. I, I, I'm not suggesting to you that we all have to walk around looking like this guy. That's not reality. I don't think that's, the, I don't think that's what God is saying. I don't think that's what joy is all about. So what is joy? How do we understand joy if joy is something that we're called to? And we're going we're to see that in just a minute. What is What is joy? Well, there's a, a verse from 1 Peter chapter 1 I want to share with you. It says this, that Peter writing to the, to the Christians there, some of those first followers of Jesus, he says, though you have not seen him, referring to, to Jesus, referring to God, though, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. I don't know that I have the perfect definition of joy, but could I at least suggest one to maybe just a working definition that, got, that gets you thinking? 
I believe that joy, unlike happiness, which is circumstantial, is a deep-rooted state of ongoing delight inspired by God himself. Now what this verse is kind of saying? You have not seen God, but you love him. And, and though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And because you believe in him and everything he says about himself and about you, you, are, you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Regardless of whether you get your favorite meal or not, regardless of whether or not the, the bonus in 2020 is coming, regardless of uh, whether or not the, it worked out in this particular relationship. Again, circumstances are going to change. They ebb, they flow. There's good stuff, there's bad stuff. But I believe joy can be pervasive through all of that. Joy can be, again, that deep-seated state of ongoing delight that's inspired by the person of God himself. Now, if we could just use that, again, is that the perfect definition? You can probably find somebody who defined it better than Dave Riddle. I'm sure, probably, maybe even you could. <laughs> but if we use that as a working definition and think about joy today, the first thing that's kind of interesting when you think about it, and I, 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 it's kind of like I, I, when you first hear this, it's kind of like, well, it's, it's almost like joy should be a result of something, and, and it kind of is. But it's interesting to think about the fact that joy is actually commanded we're commanded to be joyful. This is actually an imperative. It's an exhortation. It's a command. Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. And in case you missed it, as scripture oftentimes does, right, I say it again. I repeat it in the very next sentence, rejoice. So in a sense, joy is almost like something that we're, I, I, I hate, it's, it's, it shouldn't be seen as like obligatory or required. That's not, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with that, but I am saying that Paul commanded those Philippian believers, hey, rejoice. I think the reason he's giving that, them, them that command is that we always have a reason to have joy even at times when we're unhappy. Even at times when we're feeling disillusioned, even at times when we're maybe feeling disenfranchised or incredibly frustrated, we can have joy. And in fact, it's commanded for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're commanded, always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, when you, when you think of things like uh, other things that we're commanded to do, like be generous and be prayerful and look to the needs of others more important than, our, than ourselves. We, we, can, we consider the things, those things as something that, again, that they're the calling of a follower of Jesus, right? And so in the same way that you're called to be generous, that you're called to consider others' needs more important than your own, that you're called to be a person who is in prayer constantly, you are called to be a person of joy. I, I've, I've said this before in talks and in, in conversations, but we, we have a, a person in, a, in our church, Dawn Baker, who uh, she was actually part of, our, part of our worship team today. And, and, and Dawn oftentimes, if not always, uh, signs her emails, choose joy. And it is a choice. It's a choice. And I, I believe that's a response that Dawn has made in, in trying to live out that command that God has impressed upon her, her heart to always be full of joy in the Lord. Knowing that it is a command, knowing that it's something that we're called to, could I suggest to you that joy requires, like other things in, 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 in spiritual growth, it requires some commitment. What did I say brings happiness and unhappiness? All that stuff that we experience on earth, right? All those circumstantial things, whether we have enough money or not. Again, if I, if I walk out of a doctor's office 
and I have just received a diagnosis that is not incredibly hopeful, I'm probably going to have some feelings of sadness, right? But at the same time, I believe if we set our minds on things above and not only on those earthly things, we can be people of joy, but it requires some commitment. It requires some intention. You have to set your mind on things that, allowed, that produce joy rather than only those things that produce happiness. You get online and you check your financial position. It's up today. It's down tomorrow. Your emotions are up today. They're down tomorrow. I get all of that. Again, medical stuff and, emo- and, and relational issues and, and work stuff, but if we set our minds only on those things, what's happening in the here and now, what we're experiencing with people and things, then we're never going to be able to grow as people of joy. We're not going to be able to embrace that deep-rooted state of ongoing delight that's, that's, that's inspired by God himself. So it requires some commitment. It requires some discipline. It requires some investment on our part. Are you setting your mind, are you setting your heart on the things above, the things of God, or is your focus, if you're absolutely just kind of like gut level honest with yourself, with, with me, with God, is your primary focus on the things here and now? And if it is, I would suggest that's not going to produce a life that's the joyful life. Joy, it's commanded and it takes some commitment. But as we grow in that commitment, and again, I really do believe that this can be the case. And this is, this is where I'm going when I say it's inspired by God. It's, it's rooted in the person of God himself. is because it actually, I believe, joy can become our orientation. Again, that doesn't mean we deny that there's tough stuff that we go through, that there's feelings of sadness that we're going to have. This time of year for many people is is a sad time because as we walk through things like holidays and and stuff like that, and and maybe there's some people that aren't at the the table that used to be at the table or or now in today's reality, maybe they're not on the Zoom call and they would have been on the Zoom call. You know, there there are times where, where, where this season can produce those feelings of sadness. I experienced that. My mom died five years ago on December 6th, and so at the, in December and at the holidays, of course that's a, a time when I, when I have a feeling of sadness about that, right? But again, I, I really do believe that it beca- I can have a joyful orientation. Why? Because Scripture says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It lists nine things there. Paul does as he's writing to the Galatians, and one of those things is joy. I can have joy because it comes as I abide in Christ Jesus. As I walk in the spirit, as I walk in the truth, as I set my mind on those things above and not on the things of this earth, what happens? The fruit of the spirit begins to be born in my life and it can be born in your life and one of those fruits is joy. It really can become an orientation. It doesn't mean you're gonna always look like that goofy looking dude I showed a picture of earlier in the talk. That's not what I'm suggesting, but that deep-seated, that deep-rooted sense of an ongoing delight. Yes, I do believe that's our our calling, and it it can become our reality. We can lean into that calling. We can live that way because it is the way of the Holy Spirit. Is it your... 
Some people are more naturally happy than others, right? Some people are more optimistic and more pessimistic. I'm not talking here about your personality profile. I'm not talking about your your orientation as it relates to circumstances. I'm talking about someone who, as a result of the abiding Holy Spirit in their life, you overflow with joy. You overflow with delight because you recognize some really, really important things. And that's kind of where I'd like to wrap up today is what does it look like? How can I really live joyfully? Oftentimes I say to you guys, uh, just as a reminder, I'm on this journey with you. Am I always super joyful? I gotta confess today, I gotta repent today. No, I'm not. Is joy the thing that always emerges from me when you interact with me? Most of you would probably say, no, it's not. I'm flawed, I battle that as well. And so don't think that the the words I'm sharing with you are ones that I've lived, I'm living in perfection. They're not. I'm growing along with with you in this. And I want us to grow together. That's what we're all about in this this, uh, fellowship of believers is we want to grow together. And one of the things we do want to grow together in is joy. So how do we live joyfully? What are some things that maybe would produce more of that uh, joyful sort of orientation. May I suggest to you that one of the things we need to remember is how we're loved. You know, this is something that's been a part of each of these first three talks, if you've noticed, if you've watched, if you've been, and now that you're here. It's been a part of each of these first three talks, this concept of, ho- of how hope is rooted in love. And of course, last week was all about love. And, and this, and we, we have joy because we remember just as God said through the prophet Jeremiah, and he said this to Israel, but I think he certainly demonstrated it to, the, to us, right, as his followers. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That never changes. No matter what I go through. No matter, no matter what, how long my life is, no matter what my financial position looks like, no matter how difficult it might be in my workplace, no matter what I'm battling in terms of relationships, whether they be in my family or with friends or whatever it might be, God has loved me with an everlasting love. And when I come to grips with understanding that, and again, I think that's why that Paul said that he wanted us to understand the height and the width and the depth and the length of, God, of Christ's love because if we, if we could begin to grasp how loved we are by God, would that not put in us a deep-seated orientation of ongoing delight that goes above and beyond what circumstances we might face? Remember how, you, how you're loved. Secondly, remember who you are and whose you are. Again, this verse I've shared each time. Hopefully it'll burn in our hearts from 1 John chapter 3, how great is the love that, that, that the Father has lavished on us, right? How incredible is this love that the Father has given to us that we should be called his children, and that's what we are. Who are you? You're a daughter of the Almighty God. You're a son of the Almighty God. If you've received Jesus as, as Savior, you are his. So remember your identity. Your identity isn't changed by circumstances. Your identity isn't changed by tough stuff going on. Nothing can change that. So remember how you're loved. Remember who you are and whose you are. I think 
uh, not just John as he writes to the, to the believers there in 1 John 3, but another biblical writer, Peter, also wanted people to understand who they were. And so in, he, in his first letter, Peter says to the, to the believers that they are a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who are we? Whose are we? If we understand that, we can have that joyful life. If we understand what God has done for us, that's why I think Peter said at the, near the beginning of those verses that when he, th- when he says to them about them being, uh, and us being a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that what? So that you may declare the praises, so that you can have hearts that are rejoicing to, pr- to praise God, not necessarily because of everything you're going through, but because of the identity that he has given you. And it wasn't because you were so great. It was because he loved you so much. He cared about you to the degree that he would change your identity, that you were not even a person, and now you become a child of God, right? That should fill our hearts with joy as we focus on that. That's part of focusing, again, setting our minds on not the things of this earth, but on the things above. Not the things of humanity, but the things of God. So we remember how we're loved. We remember who we are. We remember whose we are. And last, I would just suggest that we also need to remember what we have. What do we have in Christ Jesus? For those of us who have received him by faith, what do we possess? This is such a, this is again from that uh, chapter, uh, chapter one of 1 Peter 1. It's such a powerful reminder to us. And I, I pray that you can allow these things to kind of sink into your heart, not just hear them with your ears and, and grasp them with your minds, but I pray that you would let these statements that, God, that Peter was inspired to make about believers to really sink into your heart today as you think about that producing joy in you. It begins in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us, and he, he's going to point out three things here. He has given us new birth. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that new birth is into a living hope, no longer dead, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the second thing. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. What do you have? Why should you be filled with joy? You are a new creation. You have new birth in Christ Jesus. You have a living hope, and you possess an inheritance. I'm not talking about what your parents have left or will leave you. That could be a lot or little. Back to the happy, sad stuff, right? (laughs) Back to the circumstantial stuff. This is an inheritance from the throne room of heaven itself. That's incredible. We have that. We possess that. That's why he begins the verses with praise be to him who has made us this new person, who has given us a living hope. We don't wallow in in the death of our sin, but instead we have a living hope 
and we have an inheritance that comes from him. Now check out how he connects these, as the verses continue, check out then how Peter connects these, very, these three very important theological truths about the followers of God with what they're experiencing, right? The happy, sad stuff. He goes on to say, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. You have inexpressible joy, right? Though now, for a little while, you may have, to, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He doesn't deny that these followers of Jesus are going through some crap, some tough stuff, some hard things. But praise God for that which never changes, followers of Jesus. Praise him because of your new identity. Praise him because of this living hope. Praise him because of an inheritance that you will receive. Remember what you have. Remember who you are. And remember how you're loved. Maybe then we can begin to really have that life that's full of joy. Do you know that's what Jesus' desire is for you? That you would have a life filled with joy? In John chapter 15, a really uh, important and powerful part of God's word, Jesus is talking about this, uh, uses this uh, metaphor of the, of the vine and the branches and how he is the vine and that we are the branches and the only way that we can bear fruit is to stay connected to the vine. And, and if we don't stay connected to the vine, we can't do anything, but if we stay connected to him, the vine, if we uh, abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Our lives will be incredibly fruitful. Could we not say that one of those fruits would be the fruit of joy? Just like the other spiritual fruit. So we will bear much fruit as we stay connected to Jesus. And as he's kind of wrapped up the discussion of that vine and branches, he goes down and and you pick it up in verse 9 and Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Some English translations say your joy may be full. You want to have the life that is filled with joy. It's the life that Jesus wants you to have. But I would suggest to you that it's unrelated to anything that you experience on earth. It's something that goes above and beyond all of that to where we literally and actually can experience that deep-rooted sense of ongoing delight because it is produced by the person of God himself. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah says, is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Are you experiencing that sort of life today? Are you experiencing the sort of life 
that allows you to have that abiding confidence and that abiding and pervasive orientation that though things may ebb and flow, those circumstances change, though sometimes you experience, like Peter said, grief in all kinds of trials, you can still greatly rejoice. I pray that not only you individually, I certainly pray for that, but I pray that we collectively as a family, as a body of believers, could have a life that's filled with joy because our focus is on what we have and who we are and how we're loved, all in Christ Jesus. Amen? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in no way do I think that there aren't people that are in this room or on the stream that are not facing some pretty tough things. And I don't uh, minimize that. I don't brush that aside. And I, I don't believe you do either. But I do want to pray for each and every one of us, God, and all of us collectively that we might be able to hear the truth of your word and how we're called to be people of joy and that it can actually become who we are and the orientation of our life. The only way, Lord, I believe that's going to happen is if we set our minds on you, on how you love us, on the fact that we're yours and what we possess in you. And so God, if if there are some of us that are here today that have been allowing our focus to be more on the things of this earth than the things of you, I pray that you would help us to pivot a bit today. To make a spiritual pivot toward setting our minds on you. And that in doing so, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would produce, along with the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of joy in our lives. May we be people who express that joy in an authentic and genuine way to our fellow believers and to a world that so desperately needs something other than what the world is offering. We pray all of these things in the name of the one who saves us and gives us life, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand if you